Well, good morning. Hope that you all had a great Thanksgiving holiday. And like Pastor Josh Womble was saying about this, uh, if you'll notice in the table of contents, there are, there's a theme for each week. So there are four weeks leading up to Christmas. And so the theme for this first week is promise needed. So that's what we will preach on this morning. And next week, the theme is promise made. And that'll be the topic next week. And then the third week is promise expected. And then the last week is promise kept. So those will be the four subjects that we will uh, focus on throughout the next four weeks as we uh, lead up to Christmas Day. Thanksgiving this year was a little bit different than how we had initially planned it for our family. We had initially had plans to drive down to Mississippi and spend it with Samantha's family and enjoy Thanksgiving down there. But plans changed as we started to have some sickness roll through our house. And with a house that has four small children in it, when one gets sick, it is really just a matter of time before the others get sick. And somehow, thankfully, uh, Samantha and I managed to stay healthy. But as a result of the sickness beginning in our house and then starting that, that snowball effect, uh, we had sickness that ran almost all of last week, and so we had to cancel our plans and adjust. And so one of the things that we did was we stayed home for about a week straight. And if you have small children in the house and you stay in the same house and don't leave, I don't even know if we started our cars all of last week. I mean, we were in the house the whole time. And the kids, once they start feeling better, are bouncing off the walls, they're getting anxious. And so Friday came, and I'm not a fan of crowds. I don't really want to be out there with all the people shopping for for the Black Friday deals. But we knew that we had to get out of our house. And so we did. We got everybody ready. We got everybody dressed. Thankfully, everybody was feeling better. And so we get out of the house. We went and we ate lunch somewhere. And then Sam wanted to check out Hobby Lobby. So I did not want to check out Hobby Lobby, and so I said, I will drop you off, and I'll take some kids. We'll go to Academy. But as I was dropping her off at Hobby Lobby, the first person with the the bell and the kettle that I saw this year set up right there by the door. The Salvation Army was there collecting money. And I was reminded that almost everywhere you go from about now until Christmas, you're going to see somebody stationed right outside of the door of almost anywhere that you go, whether it's the grocery store, uh, you know, a hobby store like that. Anywhere you go, the, the Salvation Army is going to have people posted up with that classic, the kettle that you see to put the money in, and they're ringing that bell. And I don't know how they do it. I mean, the two minutes it takes for me to get to my car into the, into the store, it's almost like I can't take any more of that bell. But they're ringing it all day. And what we are reminded of, or at least what I'm reminded of, every time I see that and hear that, is that the goal of the Salvation Army is to meet people's needs. Because the reality is that there are people all over Fairdale. There are people all over Louisville all over Kentucky and our country and and really all of the world that have great needs. And there are organizations such as the Salvation Army that is working as much as they can to meet those needs. 
And Christmas is a time where obviously we like to celebrate and we like to put lights up and trees. You can see by our stage here, uh, we get into the season, we get excited about it. We love celebrating and listening to the Christmas songs. Thankful for Andrew for doing lots of Christmas songs this morning. That was great. We love to hear those and sing those. And there's a lot of excitement that comes with Christmas. But also Christmas highlights a lot of the ways in which people are hurting and people are needy, and people need help. And me seeing that person, that Salvation Army person, was a reminder that there is a lot of people who are coming into the Christmas season with no excitement because of how great their needs are, because of how stressful this time of year can be knowing how needy they are. And we're thankful for organizations like that. And we're, we're thankful for things like Toys for Tots, if you're familiar with that. This is a, a program run by the United States Marine Corps. They try to collect toys to give to children who would not otherwise get them. And even, even more broadly, if we back up just to a couple weeks ago when we were collecting our shoeboxes. Remember those stories that we were listening to, the videos that they were showing? Incredible. That man who was, I think, 14 and got a yo-yo and thought this was the greatest thing ever. There is need all over the world, all over the globe. And we know that. We're not oblivious to it. But oftentimes, the Christmas season can really remind us of that need, remind us of how prevalent it is and how it is everywhere. And so today, as we think about our neediness, Remember, our theme is promise needed. Promise needed. And we're going to look at just one verse this morning. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 40. And we are going to look at the very last verse of the psalm. Psalm 40, and we will be reading verse 17. And here's what it says. This is David who wrote this psalm. Verse 17 says, As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. I've got two points this morning. The first is that we are all needy people. We are all needy people. The very first line of our verse here says, As for me, I am poor and needy. You see, when I was just talking about the Salvation Army and, and Toys for Tots and all of that, you know, we, we are reminded that there is a great deal of need, not only in our community, but, but all over the world. But just because we may not feel needy at the moment, doesn't mean that we are not also needy. This can kind of come in, in waves. Sometimes in our life we feel more needy than at other times in life. Sometimes things are going well and we feel like we have everything we need. Other times things are not going well and we need a lot. There are some very practical ways in which we think about our neediness from time to time. And the first and foremost is money. When we don't have enough of it is when we feel that we have great needs. 
We know that expenses have gone up this year. Things have gotten more expensive. Rent is expensive. Mortgage is expensive. Groceries are expensive. And all of these things add up. And oftentimes, our money doesn't keep going up with the expenses. And so we get to a point where we're feeling needy. I feel like I don't have everything that I need to cover all my expenses. And so I'm feeling a great deal of need. We have people that call the church office all the time. And they're asking for help to pay their mortgage or their rent. They're asking for help to pay their power bill, especially in the colder months when we're using the gas instead of electricity and the the bill tends to be a little higher. People are struggling to pay those things. People need help paying their water bills. People are asking for help to be able to get some groceries above and beyond maybe what they're getting here at the food pantry. There are needs all over the place. And people are feeling their neediness. You know, sometimes we think about our neediness in, in relationships. And this one maybe is a little more difficult to talk about. But maybe we need a friend, someone to talk to, someone to get advice from, and we don't have that. And we're struggling on the inside. We don't know who to go to, who to reach out to, who can help. Sometimes we're dealing with tragedy. And we don't know who has the ability to connect with us, who can understand what we've been through, what we're going through, someone to talk to, someone to communicate with. And we need a friend. We need someone who can be there to help us and encourage us and build us up. There are lots of ways in which we are needy each and every day. But deeper than all of that, right? Those are all kind of surface level things. Those needs come and go. They kind of ebb and flow. But deeper than all of that is that our neediness is also spiritual. And this is where we get really uncomfortable. A lot of us get uncomfortable talking about our spiritual neediness. But obviously, we need to talk about it. We need to confront the issue of the fact that we are morally bankrupt or spiritually bankrupt. The Bible is very clear about this. You see, one of the things that we do is that as we're sitting here this morning, all of us know a lot of things about ourselves that nobody else knows. Our deepest, darkest secrets. You see, we know something about ourselves that maybe the person right next to us, to our right or to our left, to our front or to our back, they don't know that about you, but you do. You know the things that you struggle with. You know the ways in which your thoughts are bad, they're sinful, they're wrong, but you would never let anyone else in on that. It's too vulnerable. You see, we like to do everything that we can to keep those things suppressed and hidden on the inside because we've convinced ourselves that if we can keep that to ourselves, if we can suppress that and not let anyone see how wicked our, we, we really can be, that that somehow makes us a better person. right? If everybody else looks at me and thinks good things and thinks that I'm all this and all that, and that I've got it all together, then that's helpful in some way. We think that. We really do. 
You see, we do not want anyone else to know all of the things that we know about ourselves because it would be embarrassing. And sometimes it's hard for us to admit the things that we really do struggle with. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that there is no creature hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You see, we may be really good at hiding our flaws from everybody else, hiding our sins from everybody else, but the Bible teaches us that we are naked and exposed before God the Lord. He sees everything that's a part of us. He knows every thought that we think. He knows every word that has come out of our mouth. He knows every word that we've wanted to come out of our mouth, even if we've restrained it. He knows everything. We can hide nothing from him. And so for us to think that we can hide it from one another, and that's helpful, God is fully aware. He's aware of our sins. He's aware of our struggles. He's aware of our spiritual neediness. We cannot hide anything from him. This is one of the reasons why many people fear death. Because we know, the Bible also teaches us that God has put eternity in our hearts. So all of us know that there is something after this life. We know that this life is not the end. There is something to come after it. This is why even lots of other religions believe that there are things to come, right? You, you study the, the ancient Egyptians, and what did they do with their pharaohs? They buried them with all of their treasures so that they would have their treasures in the next life. Lots of religions even nowadays, current day, they believe in what we call karma, right? If all the things that you do in your life that are good outweigh all the things that you do in your life that are bad, that's good for you in the next life. And without really thinking about it too much, we kind of live this way. We kind of live in such a way that as long as we do more good than bad, we think that'll go well for us. We think that will benefit us when we enter into eternity. But the reality is that Paul tells the church at Rome that there is no one righteous no, not one. There is no one who seeks after God. And so Paul, what Paul is doing is he's making the case that every single person, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Greek, no one meets God's righteous standard. No one is able to, no matter how many good things they do, reach God on their own. They cannot attain his righteousness. It's not possible. And so a couple of verses later, Paul reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, the Bible tells us that our lives are open and exposed before God. He knows everything about us. He knows everything that we've ever done. He knows everything that we ever will do. There is no hiding our neediness from him. The Bible also teaches us how needy we really are. No one seeks after God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, when we think about neediness, we often think about, I don't have enough money. I don't have any friends. I don't have anyone to talk to, right? Our mind quickly goes to those things. 
But when we say that we're needy, we need to understand that we are spiritually needy as well. The Bible makes it absolutely clear that we need a Savior, that we are separated from God in His holiness. We do not meet the standard. We do not have the ability to get to Him on our own. We are spiritually needy, and without God stepping into human history through the person of Jesus, we are without hope. Because think about, for, for just a minute, what we celebrate at Christmas. We are celebrating a virgin birth. This is not something that we could put together ourselves. You see, we like to think that we can do as much as we can to earn our own salvation. We know the Bible teaches we can't earn our salvation, but for whatever reason, we love the idea that I can do something. I can do enough. I can have as good a church attendance, or I can read the Bible every day, or I can memorize so many passages of the Bible, or I can pray so many minutes or hours a day that it will earn me my salvation. We think that way subconsciously. But we are reminded that our only hope of salvation is based on a virgin birth which is completely outside of anything we are capable of doing. If Jesus does not come and and be born of a virgin, we have no hope. We cannot manufacture a savior for ourselves. We cannot have a child or an offspring who is going to be perfect, who is going to meet God's perfect standard of righteousness. We can't. Only God can. And only God has. You see, no amount of good works will help us. No amount of good deeds. But my second point is that the Lord takes thought for us. Look back at Psalm 40, verse 17. David says, as for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me. The Lord takes thought for me. What an amazing follow-up to that first line. As for me, I am poor and needy. See, we all need to be able to confess that we are needy. We don't like to confess that we're needy. Our culture sees neediness as weakness. But we need to be able to confess that we are needy individuals, especially when it comes to spiritual things. We are absolutely needy. We are without hope left to ourselves. But David says, but the Lord takes thought for me. You see, it is very clear in the Bible that we need a promise from God. But we are not left thinking, I need a promise. All over the pages of the Bible, we are reminded that God has given a promise. And I know I'm kind of getting into the next week's themes, but I can't leave you on just needing a promise because I need to remind you all that we've received a promise. The Bible does not just make it clear that we need a promise. The Bible also makes it clear that we have received a promise. And we see this all throughout the pages of the Bible. It starts as early as Genesis 3.15, where God is, is 
speaking the curses onto the serpent, and he says to the serpent, the offspring of the woman will crush the head of the offspring of the serpent. And we know that that offspring is the one who's going to be Jesus. And that crushing of the serpent's head happens at the cross when he dies for our sins and crushes the work of the devil. But even way before that, Genesis 12, God makes this promise to Abraham that I will make you the father of many nations. He is saying this to a man who is almost 100 years old and still has no offspring. But yet God fulfills that promise and he gives him a son in Isaac. And we know it's through Isaac that his offspring is named. And all the way down through the prophets, all of the Old Testament is reminding us that God has made that promise, that there will come a savior. Isaiah 11, chapter one, there will come a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That is Jesus. We are reminded of what Luke's gospel tells us in the Christmas story. We love the Christmas story this time of year. And Luke's gospel tells us this. This is chapter two. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see that offspring of the woman that's gonna crush the head of the serpent? That is the baby that is born at Christmas. That is Jesus. He is the one. He is the fulfillment of the promise that was made all the way back in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And so we are reminded, as Paul says, even in Galatians, he says, when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God had took thought of us. He knew that we are without hope apart from Jesus. He knew that we don't have a way to save ourselves. There is no amount of church attendance that can get you to heaven. There is no amount of Bible reading that can get you to heaven. There is no amount of anything that you can think of that can get you to heaven. God knows that. And God took thought of us. He knew that we needed a promise. He knew that we're without hope left to ourselves. So he sent his son at just the right time to be born of a woman, to be born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. As we come to Christmas, we are reminded of the hurt of the brokenness, of the neediness all around us. Every time you see that person ringing the bell, that Salvation Army person, you are going to be reminded that there are people with great needs. Let that also serve as a reminder to you of your own spiritual need. Let's not just focus on physical needs. Let's be reminded that we have a great spiritual need. We need a promise from God in order to be delivered from our need. And that promise has been given. And that promise has not only been given, but that promise has been fulfilled. That promise is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. If you look down at what he says right after this in verse 17, 
He says, the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. God is the one who is going to help us in our need and deliver us from our need. And he's the only one who can. So as we get ready for Christmas, as you all are getting your trees up and putting your lights up and making your cookies and putting on the Christmas music in your homes, let's be reminded that we, of all people, are just as needy as anyone else. Our spiritual need is just as great as those that you'll find anywhere in the world. We're separated from God. And our only hope is that the Lord thought of us. And he is our help. And ultimately, he is our deliverer. He is the one who will deliver us from our needy condition of sinfulness and brokenness. And he does it through his son, Jesus. So as we worship God this this Christmas season, may our eyes be focused on him. May our hearts be reminded of our need. And let's keep our eyes focused on the one who is our help and also our deliverer, Jesus, our savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning that we are a needy people. And I pray that you help us to confess our need to you. God, we already know the Bible has made it clear that there is no hiding it from you. So may we be those who are willing and able to confess it. God, may we be reminded that while we need a promise, you've given it. Not only given it, you've fulfilled it. And that fulfillment is in the person of Jesus, your son who was born at just the right time, that through him we receive adoption as sons. God, may we this Christmas season keep our eyes focused on Jesus, our help and our deliverer. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Now's our time to respond.